Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, did you see this coming? A nine-game point streak, a point in every game in December, and the Flyers are rolling. Let's talk about it all right now. This is the Orange and Backcheck Podcast with Bill Kornfeld and Scott Weinhardt. It is episode 165 of Orange and Backcheck. Thank you so much for joining us as always. Brought to you by the Hockey, Hockey Podcast Network and DraftKings Sportsbook. Man, uh, this has been a hell of a month of December for Philly sports fans. The team that we thought was really good is faltering and the team we anticipated to be really bad this entire winter and early spring is one of the best in the entire NHL, and that's the Philadelphia Flyers right here on this podcast that was predicted by Scott Weinhardt. So the easy, obvious question is, Scott, did you anticipate them to be this good at this point? Uh, No, 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 I did not. I, honestly, I, I thought this team would be battling for – between like third and fourth in the division, um, I didn't see them as 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 what's called as like second place. But I mean, and if you look at it from a step back, they really are like between second and fourth because only two points separates them between them and the Hurricanes. So I mean, they're they're right there where I thought where they were being. But the fact that they they strung together a nine p a nine game point streak, the fact that they have not lost in regulation in the month of December. The fact that this team just continues to find ways to get points and find ways to battle themselves back in games, regardless of what's happening. Um, it's, it's, it's fun to watch, man. It's impressive. It's like, you know, you're starting to believe, you know, people are, people are getting excited, which is great to see. I think some people are getting a little bit too much over the topic. Oh man. Like, you know, the rebuild and they like what they could, if they keep playing this, they go win a Stanley cup. Relax. We're not, we're not even close to that yet. This team is not even close to be a Stanley cup contender, but you know, enjoy this. This is actually really fun. This is fun. This is really, we haven't had good hockey like this in close to a decade. I'm not, I I'll be honest with you, man. Like this is the kind of team that reminds me of like some of those teams that, you know, that give you those good memories. Like, 07, 08, you know what I mean? 2009, 2010, the things they had to, had to come through. You know, the 11, 12 team, the, the 13, 14 team. You know, even shades of the 19, 20 team. But but that's it. All those years in between, there there wasn't a lot of this. And it, it's, you know, it, this is fun to watch. This is really fun to watch. And just enjoy it while it lasts because you, you don't know how long it will. Well, you anticipate it to, to last a long time. Like, this is what 
you're you're kind of seeing the seeds of what Tortorella and company are planting to go to the flower analogy one said by Nick Sirianni of the Philadelphia Eagles like this is the growth phase we're putting down the the, the seeds we're get we're uh tendering it we're uh putting down the uh soil all that stuff the growth underneath what we're not seeing and all that stuff so I think where fans can easily get excited is what the product on the ice is. And what that leads to is obviously speculation of what, uh, how good this team really is. Like, is it, is this a fluke? No, I don't think it's a fluke. I think that they're being, I think this is legitimate um, lack of star power because I don't think there is, they haven't had a, a superstar, quote unquote, on their team since the days of Claude Giroux. We'll get to Claude Giroux in a minute here. Um, so Carter Hart, you can argue, you can start to argue. I think he's a couple of, uh, I don't even know how to, like, I don't want to say years, but I think he's like on the fringe of superstardom, but I don't think he's being talked about in that way. Certainly not throughout the NHL. And I don't think on a consistent, realistic basis among the Flyers fan base. So, what you're seeing today in Flyers world and the Flyers on ice product is fun to watch because it's like, this was unexpected and there's enough players to say, I could see them flourishing in two to three years when the big names come over or when the superstar is here, when the superstar has made a name for themselves, whether that is Carter Hart or Travis Konechny, or I could like, I don't wouldn't put, you got to start talking about the superstardom, potential super, super superstardom of the Owen Tippets of the world. Uh, is Tyson Forrester there? Um, it, like these players, because it's so unknown, you can talk about them and being, hey, there's there's something here that you can say, yeah, I can see them being a household name in the NHL fandom uh, in three years or four years, whatever that number is. And that's exciting. Yeah, 100%. And this is the benefiting of good drafting, um, you know, the, uh, having good talent, um, keeping some of that good talent. But at the same time, don't get it twisted. <laughs> Excuse me. The, the, at the same time, this is still a rebuilding team. So there are going to be pieces that are going to be moved before, you know, the, the trade deadline this season. So, like, you, there, you know, there, there are things out there as far as, like, you know, Sean Walker is still a prime trade candidate. Rasmus Ristolainen, you know, Morgan Frost, uh, you know, Nick Sealer, um, you know, I, Mark Stahl. Those those guys are, are going to be trade targets 100%. And you're going to get some valuable assets for them. I'm very curious what they do with Ristolainen out of that entire group. I think all of them, you're right, are going to be trade discussions. But Ristolainen is the most interesting one because not only is he tenured, because he's not a pending free agent or restricted free agent. He's on this team for the next two to three years. I forget what the contract is off the top of my head. Doesn't matter. I like it's one of those things where he's also saying, I wish I had torts as my coach when I was 18, 19, 20 years old. And and when you start to hear that on a consistent basis, I mean, we talked about we we uh touched on Michael Delzato talking about how uh, much he enjoyed playing for John Tortorella when he was on the New York Rangers. Um, these things don't happen coincidentally. Like, these are legitimate things, and I am prepared to say, and I did not tell you I was going to do this, 
I was 100% wrong on John Tortorella. It is a classic scenario of what you talked about last week about fans versus coaches. This is, I, I think, and we saw this a little bit if you were paying attention to the, well, go search all black, all white NFL, and you'll understand what. Uh, I think oh, there is. Oh, God, Richard Mendenhall. Yeah. God. I so think bad. there is a legitimate case where there are some certain aspects where people like myself don't have a space to talk. Like, I don't know what it's like in a locker room. I don't know what it's like in the huddle or on the ice, on the bench, that kind of thing. This is one of those scenarios where I was truthfully just talking out of my ass um, at the end of the day because it was a hot take that I thought Torrell was the wrong fit for what the Flyers were trying to do. And it happily blew up in my face. So for guys like Ristolainen that are playing really, really, really well as a Philadelphia Flyer and you have him tenured for the next couple of seasons where – in the next couple of seasons, you're anticipating you this team to only get better. Poses an interesting question for the likes of Daniel Briere, Danny Briere, and, and um, Keith Jones. So I'm very curious of what they're going to do because let's not get this like you said twisted. There is still a plan in place that they are adhering to. Just because they are overachieving today. And they are overachieving. Here's where I think it is overachieving. None of us anticipated this. You said it yourself. That's why I led off with that question. We didn't anticipate this level of success. Words in my mouth, and that's that. That's not what I said. I did not anticipate him having a nine game a nine game point streak. That's that was my point. I did not anticipate them not having a regulation loss to this point in December. That's the overachieving I'm talking about. I fully expect this team to not only get into the playoffs, but to win a round. And I made that prediction at the beginning of the season. That's not a hot take, people. That is my prediction. And you might sit there like, okay, this guy's nuts. If this is the first time you ever listened to the podcast, I'd ask you to please go back and listen to the episode starting in August. And you'll you'll see that maybe even, yeah, yeah, July, August. Go back to that and start listening to where we are today. I would say and, even July. Tell me where I'm July, wrong. July, August, yeah. Please tell me where I'm wrong. Like, you know, I'm not the type of guy where I'm going to sit here and pat myself on the back, but go back and tell me where I was wrong. Because frankly, like I've been saying all along, this is a playoff team. And what the thing is, is that I expected this because of the record John Tortorella has had in the past with teams in his second season. The numbers are there. The talent is there. He said it. The franchise re-hit the reset button last season when they hired John Tortorella. The changes of adding uh, Keith Jones and Dan Helferty to the mix and Danny Briere were just icing this, the tips of the iceberg. The main foundation for this whole rebuild has been John Tortorella at the core, and that's because everything for the culture starts from that locker room and having the right players in the right areas. And the thing is, what I love about this team so far is that you can literally see on the ice they are playing for each other. You see guys diving late in games, taking pucks in the stomach to block shots so they don't get through the net. Like, that is, like, I think it was Ryan Paling who took one in the stomach a couple games back. Maybe it was against Nashville. And that, that hurts, man. That does not feel good. 
and he took it so the puck wouldn't get the that's laying your body on the line not just to to win but for your team for your teammates so it doesn't get through so you have a chance to win the game that's the mentality and that's the mentality that Mr. Schneider had instilled when when he would when he ran the ship here and that's what got away for the longest time when you have corporate people running something that they don't know but I digress but John Tortorella came back and said that's not how we that's not how you do things it's not it's not how you do things and he got some people out of the room that he saw were causing problems. I like guys like Kevin Hayes, not that he's a problem guy, but he didn't fit what John Torrell was trying to do. And we saw that clearly by a lot of the suspensions. We saw Ivan Provrov the same thing. It was time for a change. It just wasn't going to work here. You see, make those moves and look how different the team is performing. And I really got to give John Tortorella credit for one big thing. And this is maybe the one thing I was a little wrong on. When Tyson Forster, before he started scored his first goal of the season, he just kept, he was doing all the little things right, but he just could not put the puck in the net. And he didn't bench him. And he stuck with it saying, he's doing all the things that it's going to get going. It's going to get going. A similar player with the same kind of luck back in 07 08 was Scott Hartnell, a guy who was just playing the game, but just could not get it to go. And then I think the next season he scored 30 goals. So, like, it, it, I give him credit for that. The whole point I'm trying to make here is that I, I, I'm not so I'm not shocked where they're at right now. I I, I think it's a, a nine game point streak. I mean, the elite teams do that. That's the overachieving part about it. I mean, the the key is though, is that how long is this going to be sustainable? I mean, the, the the inevitable dip when it happens again. Are they going to get themselves out of it? And I really want to take you back just for a quick example, real quick, because you'll see this in every season, every every ebb and flow of the season. You go through those dips, you go through those peaks. Right now, the fires are on a peak. At some point, they're going to hit a valley. I can remember back in 07, 08, and I reference that season a lot because it's the most representative of what this is. It's a team that had just rebuilt <coughs> new players, new core, new coach, well, somewhat new coach. And then a lot of younger players, you know, and, and they just kind of like nobody believed in them. And they just kind of started going out and they started playing really well. They got off to a really hot start. But around February, March, they dropped 10 in a row, 10 in a row. And, and they almost fell out of playoffs at that point. And then they got in right around the end and they went on a tear, went to the conference final. I'm not saying this team is going to do that in the conference final. But the thing is, is that now they're building themselves a little bit of pad. So when they inevitably have that slump at some point, and like the Devils are going through right now, they, at some point they have a little bit of space to work with here. But the thing is, is that the way the team plays, they're consistent. They're, they're, the only thing that's going to plague them at some point is that they have a slump in scoring because they've had to win tight games. I would say injuries too. Like if they go, if they have any significant injuries, I mean, obviously Noah Cates is the name that comes to mind in terms of skaters that are, that's out uh, significant for an amount of time. He's still mending that broken foot. Uh, and then whatever the hell's going on with Carter Hart, obviously dealing with his illness. Um, but Sam Erson has been just, I mean, I just saw he was voted for the 11th through the 17th of December, the best goalie or the top uh, goalies of the NHL with like a 3-2-0-1 record, 9-29 save percentage, just just absurd stuff, absurd stats. Three wins, one shutout, 195 goal against the average and a 9-29 save percentage. Yeah, it, it's crazy. And it begs the question, and you and I were talking about this in the pre-show, 
who, what or who is responsible for this winning culture that we have seen, not just in December, obviously what recency bias of the nine game point streak and all that is, is top of mind, but like on a consistent basis, this team is playing significantly better. What we've seen over the last two or three seasons was they started out really hot or they were winning close games, kind of like what the Eagles are going through uh, right now, where they were winning close games, but they were still racking up points. And then after, around now into the new year, they dipped off and they never recovered. The wheels fell off and it was all over. I don't see that happening this year because I think the structure of what is going on comes down to coaching. I truly believe it doesn't matter who you put in net. It, it It's the coaching of how this team, and this I think this will go into what you're going to argue, has revamped this team 150%. Like just a totally change of philosophy. But even like it, it's, there's a reason that they, that John Torello, as we've clearly said and have come around to in my in my from my perspective, came in and issued a new culture, a resetting of the culture here in the Philadelphia locker room, and it's worked out tremendously. The question really is how much long? How long does it last? Because it's all coaches have a shelf life, but right now, enjoy it. I think this is all because of John Terrell, the success that we've seen. They're overachieving in the sense of. They, they're on a frame. They're they're solidly in the playoffs right now. Um, I saw a stat by Christmas teams that are in playoff positions. I I don't. It didn't specify if the obviously those seedings change and all that. But if you're in a playoff position on December 25th, which we're at time of this recording five days away, you have like an 87 percent chance of making the playoffs. That is amazing. I don't think we saw that happening for this team in terms of being in second place in the Metropolitan, being right up there with the best, one of the best since their San Jose loss, which we all started freaking out about, uh, which we knew was coming. I know you're shaking your head, but you, cause you didn't freak out. I know there. I think the record it's definitely, it's obviously improved now, but the time I saw it, they were like 11, three and two, uh, when I uh, since that loss, which obviously has now vastly improved or has continued to improve, this is all because of Torts. Torts has gotten them to buy into his system. Like I talked about with Ristolainen saying, I wish I had him as a coach uh, at, at such a young age. And benefits of guys like Tyson Forrester, of, of Noah Cates when he's back healthy, like these guys are benefiting tremendously from a guy like torts. And that is why they are doing such success. And I think the bigger piece bill that to follow the, to follow up on that is that like when people talk about, like they're still rebuilding, like they're still building up from here. Like there are teams that like progress one year and then they take a step back a little bit the next year. Mm -hmm. And we saw that a little bit with the flyers in 1920 when they, tried to go up for it and then they came back the following year and it was COVID. And then, and they tried again the year after that. And, that's when the wheels really bottomed, really, really fell out of the, you know, fell out of the wagon. Um, but I, I, I'll say this, you know, what I, what I really think that's important here is, is reestablishing the culture. And I know in the past couple of podcasts, I've really emphasized that, but I don't believe people realize how important that is. And it's so undervalued is that think about it when you go to work each day. 
You want to be in a good culture. You want to be around people that you like, around working with. Think about it. If you're in a company with a really bad culture, you're miserable, aren't you? Okay. That's that's a team like the Arizona Coyotes. Yeah, I mean, they've played well this season. But like a great example is is the Buffalo Sabres. When you intentionally try to tank for so long, you have a losing culture and, and you can't get any better and you continue losing. There's no reason the Senators should be as bad as they are with all the talent that they have. They just fired their coach. But I can tell you one thing. It's because of their culture. It's because for so long, you know, their owner, Eugene Melnick, was a very, very cheap man. Um, that was part of the problem. And in and, and, and Ottawa and what's it called in Ontario's capital, you know, it, 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 they one of the cheapest thing, owners there was in the league. It blows my mind that in professional sports, there are cheap owners, not just in Ontario or in, in Ottawa, like cheap being cheap in sports as a billionaire owner boggles my mind just it doesn't make sense to me i can't figure it oh, out oh it does absolutely to me no it's called greed it's called yeah, that's it, it's, not, it's, it's all it is it's greed it's like no like i want more you don't need it that's what it is um but to go back to the point when you have people who are have make the tanking point like they should be tanking 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 what would you rather have a team that is on the ascent that is with a roster that's De, not devoid of talent, but is developing talent that's actually having success, or a team that is devoid of talent trying to build round up talent that can't win games, uh, a team that when you finally get to a decent point where you feel like you're near playoff contention, you can't do anything. Um, oh, yeah, they're called the Philadelphia 76ers. So if you want your team to be mired where they can't get out of the second round and they can't excel and they can't get any further because they have a losing people who had the tank argument for a long, they're going to make trades. They're going to change things on the roster. They're going to build for the long term. It might deplete some things down the line for the playoffs and they, but they're going to still going to look at the long term and they're going to look for other guys to step up. That's part of a rebuild. You want that. But the thing is, is that right now you look at this and say, Hey, look, Right now, you have a locker room that's extremely tight. Watch the videos where they hand the dog mask around. They they have the underdog with the mentality going on. They believe in themselves. This team is not capable right now of winning a Stanley Cup simply because of the talent alone. But the team is also at the same time not going to make a push and say, you know what, we might have a chance because these guys believe in themselves. No, they're going to look long term and say, no, you know what, we're still going to do this thing because we want long term sustained success. We want two, three, four Stanley Cups, not one gamble out of Stanley Cup. It's funny. Like, I agree with you. They don't have the Not talent on the roster today Not even on paper to win a Stanley Cup. But guess what I'm telling you right now, Scott? I'm not going to the Wells Fargo Center and telling them that to their face because they don't want to hear that shit. Great. They believe they're they they professional athletes. They should. The they Cup, should. Which is awesome. I'm not going to tell them. I'm not going to tell them that they don't have the talent. I'll just say it here on this podcast. It's not that I don't believe. Great. No, no, it's not, it's not that I don't believe. That's not the point. I'm, I know what you're saying. Like it, it's it's we're just evaluating the team as is, and we're like, there's more to be had, and they know that, and they'll do what they can, and we're gonna enjoy what they're doing today, without sacrificing tomorrow. Like that's really what this comes down to, and that leads to. Uh, and I know we'll we'll get to these trade rumors that have cropped up because of the success 
everyone's talking about flipping this buyer-seller mentality. Uh, but first, as always, I want to get to DraftKings Sportsbook, our official sports betting partner of the Orange Back Check Podcast and the Hockey Podcast Network. Bet the action on the ice with DraftKings Sportsbook. Flyers take on Nashville on Thursday night. You can get them at minus one and a half. They're favorites against the team. And they have been killing it against the spread. I don't know if you how closely you've been following this, Scott, but they're one of the best teams to cover the spread. So if they if you think they're going to win by two goals, take them take them at plus one eighty at the point at this point. So looking good. Download the app now and use promo code THPN. New customers can get one hundred and fifty bucks instantly in bonus bets for betting just five dollars on any hockey game. That's promo code THPN only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. The crown is yours. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, 21 plus varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash hockey for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gambling resources. NHL and the NHL Shield are registered trademarks of the National Hockey League. Copyright copyright NHL 2023. All rights reserved. So obviously what comes with the success of a team that no one expected to be successful on the whole in the Philadelphia Flyers is obviously the, the inevitable trade rumors. You spoke about it, about how much of a dumpster fire the Ottawa Senators are. Uh, Columbus reportedly has said, listen, we are so in the shitter. Anyone is available. Now, obviously, they tra- they changed that to be like, yeah, you can't take Ed- Adam Fintelli or anybody of that like. Uh, but hey, if you give us the right offer, we'll give you Johnny Gaudreau. Naturally, this set off the the conversation train in Philadelphia. At no point, and I think we're in agreement here, at no point could they make a trade for this without doing exactly what they had been doing for the last 10 years plus and reset and doing the inevitable thing that will cost them years of building, of success, whatever. Because there is just too much. One, they're obviously not going to unload these guys in Johnny Gaudreau for free. So they're going to ask for big names. Does that include a, a, a Cutter Gauthier? Does that include a Mitchkoff? Does that include a Tyson Forrester? And if it includes any of those guys, I'm immediately hanging up the phone if I'm Danny Briere or Keith Jones. It's not worth it. And then, of course... Because on ter- uh, Ottawa is such a dumpster fire. The rumors of Claude Giroux being available returned. I know that this podcast, you and I, are big Claude Giroux fans. But now in a way, he is attached to a failed era of Flyers hockey. We can appreciate what he did for this club. But he is still attached to the stigma, especially over the last two or three years of his tenure here. Why would you bring him back for something like that? He's also, what, 36, 37? He's around the same age? Yeah. I I don't see 
his veteran presence needed. As weird as that sounds, I I just don't I don't see the benefit of a guy like Claude Giroux. If I had to make a discussion, like if someone held a gun to my head and said, "I whatever reason in this fantasy world said you have to pick a trade partner for one of them," the obvious answer is Johnny Gaudreau. Thirty years old, yeah, but that's still a lot of tenure uh, to to get miles out of. So. If they had to choose, I don't. And again, they're not choosing any of these guys, especially in December. They're not making moves until the trade deadline. So this is such a crazy thing to think about that we are so infatuated with the success that we've seen as for the Flyers that they're now discussing Johnny Gaudreau and Claude Giroux coming to Philadelphia. Listen, and that boggles my mind. Two years ago, I would have been all in on Johnny Gaudreau because of where everything was at. You cannot do Johnny Gaudreau at this point. I mean, like, I, I love the fact that Johnny's a local guy. I love the fact that Johnny would be be a, a great thing to have him in Philadelphia. The problem is I look at Johnny and, you know, wingers are a luxury in this league. He's played 113 games for Columbus. He has 27 goals, 67 assists. 94 points, and he's a minus 49. So for a team that is playing such good team defense and has bought into the defensive structure, I, I, that doesn't that doesn't fit in. I mean, think about it this way. He had 74 points last year and was still minus 33. So, I mean, I, I, mean, I know in a lot of it he had like 21 power play points, but still that's, that's still that's brutal. Even strength was even strength was you know I'm sorry uh, even strength uh, power goals three power play goals even strength goals thirteen so he had fifty fifty three I'm sorry fifty even strength points and he was still minus thirty three I mean that's that's bad that's not great I mean it, 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 and and plus minus might be an old stat but I look at it this way is that you're paying a player nine and a half million dollars he scored six goals in thirty three games and one of them was an empty netter. And it's like you, you, that's 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 not gonna fly. Like you can't tie up your cap like that. Like you know, you could you theoretically could you do it? But what value is that gonna add? I mean, look at Cam Atkinson. He's been dropped to the fourth line because of you know of the way of he hasn't produced five on five. You know, he's he's done other things, but he hasn't he has produced and you know and scored a goal and scored a lot of points. So <laughs> he's slumping and he's got a pretty decent price tag at the moment. So. Yeah, you, you, the thing is, when wingers start to go and they start to lose their wheels a little bit, it kind of goes quickly. And I'm not saying that Johnny's there yet at all. He's 30 years old. He's still a younger guy. What I'm saying is that you know that that's that's a that's a major red flag to jump from that. You know, went from 115 points to 74. Now he's now he's down to 20th, third of the way through the season. So and, and right now, the if you get through the season, he might get close to around 50 points. So from two seasons ago, that's half his point production is gone. Uh, and Columbus is playing nine and a half million dollars with that. So, I mean, there's already rumors in Columbus of Yarmar Kekalainen and John Davidson getting the boot after this season. Um, so, or even sooner than that. So that's, that's a possibility. The other hand, Claude Giroux. No, like you, you don't need Claude Giroux anymore. And think of it this way. Like, you know, you can appreciate Claude Giroux, like you said, for what he's done. And that is his tenure as, as a flyer. Um, you can also appreciate Eric Lindros for his tenure to flyer. Uh, both were major failures at the end of the day. And we all know how we've come to love Lindros again. 
Well, one of these days we will do the same thing with Giroux. We'll reminisce about how great he was, and it's a shame he never won a cup, and it's a shame that you know we wasted his career and stuff like that. Um, and it'll be a shame that Lindros never won a cup. We had great years with Leclerc and Renberg and the Legion of Doom and Eric Desjardins and everything like that. But ultimately, those those seasons were ultimately failures. And you know what? Um, they did not win the ultimate prize as they wanted to do it. You know, Claude Giroux is a little bit more worse because it's it's more the mediocre years. And that's the thing is that, you know, you can you can feed me all you want. Oh, he's the third most points, you know, in, 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 you know, in the NHL since like 2007 or, you know, right behind Crosby and Patrick Kane. So like that. OK, well, guess, guess, guess what they have six of and Claude Giroux has zero of what matters. Stanley Cups. So that that's a big deal. And I think that that people don't don't. I think that people need to take it into consideration that you moved on from Claude Drew for, for a reason. It's time to move on. I love Claude Drew. We'll always respect what he did. You know, you're a great hockey player, an elite talent, always has been. Um, but no, not no, no chance. You're not you don't mess with chemistry. You don't mess with it. Yeah. He comes back in after he's retired or he signs the one day contract, retires a flyer, whatever the case, after a thousand games played. And then he like he actually kind of will pro I hope. Because I, I do like uh, him as a culture. Like, I think he's a nice person to have around the organization. Give him like something like Eric Lindros. You see Eric Lindros with his family, bringing yep. the, the banging the drum every once yeah. in a while at the games and that kind of yeah. stuff. That's exactly what, um, what are his Gavin and Palmer will hopefully do down the line. Like, that's that is Claude Giroux's future here as a Philadelphia Flyer. And that's fine. No one should be upset by that. Uh, I also think like this is kind of fueled by the lack of a captain for whatever reason. People are like, well, you bring back the old captain and, and it's like, no, that doesn't mean he comes back and is a captain here for this tenured locker or this this locker room that would not bold well because the, there's a culture established and Claude Giroux ushers in a new one. So um, it doesn't make sense to me. Um, I have not forgotten. I, I know we discussed we were going to bring up this story at the beginning. Do you have any more hockey you want to discuss for this week? Because we have to get to the chaos that ensued at my home over this past weekend. And honestly, I'm chalking it up to the reason why we didn't have an episode this, uh, oh, this, God. this on, weekend. On Sunday? Oh, my God. Yeah. It was a nightmare. Now, I'll say this. Well, we, we do have to have a, a, a serious discussion about Carter Hart and Sam Erson. Um, but we're going to hold that off for next episode. Ooh, I like that tease. All right. Mm -hmm. So we'll talk oh, about, we have a, as a tease too. We've got a, we got a lot going on in January. A lot of stuff happening here. A lot on the of going on. Stay tuned. Podcast. Very exciting stuff. So if you're not subscribed, make sure you're subscribed as always. Um, listen, I am not a tough person. You I, yeah. No Listen. shit. I thought you're Mr. Muscles over there. Yeah. If you if you the voice carries a lot of a lot more weight than what my actual imagery shows. <laughs> I don't like bugs. I don't like spiders. I'm still not I ever since I read the birds aren't real theory, you have me kind of convinced birds aren't real. Until this weekend. <laughs> I got it. Scott, I got it. Owning a home is the is the biggest fraud in in the, in the United States. Listen, everyone says you got to own a home. You got to own a home. You got to own a home. Then you buy a home and the water heater breaks. The 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 shower starts leaking. Or in my case, 
a bat gets in your house. <laughs> Listen, I have been ridiculed. I have been mocked. I imagine we're recording this on on uh, thanks or I almost said Thanksgiving. I love Thanksgiving so much. Anyway, uh, December twentieth. Yeah, I, we're recording this on Christmas week. I'm sure at the Christmas at the Christmas Eve family party, I'm going to get ridiculed and mocked by the father-in-law <laughs> and brother-in-law for this. But when you go on your nightly rounds to make sure all the doors are locked, all the lights are off, the trees unplugged. And you walk into your family room right behind this door, if you're watching this clip, and you see a bat fly at you, (laughs) you would scream too like I did. I lost my shit. Lost it. Had no idea what to do. What do you do, Scott, if you have a bat flying in your house? Because I don't know. Well, um... I, actually, I got it out, by the way. The bat is no longer a residence here at the Cornfeld Inn. Okay. So um, I actually can tell you what you do because I've had the same thing happen before. <laughs> I, I had to, I had to, I've been waiting to tell you that for four days now. I I, uh, I, I swear to God. Okay. Uh, I'll tell you exactly what happened. So um, I remember vividly, I was, I was sitting on my couch in the living room. Now, this is probably about I think this is actually during the pandemic. Um, oh, even better. I don't when I'm everyone thinking, everyone oh, thought we were getting sick by the air. Oh, we breathe. God. So I'm sitting there and like I you ever notice just like you ever notice something like at the corner of your eye? It, like I, it, my, all my, the time. My, my yes. peripheral vision is really like sharp. So I'm like, I, just, I noticed something. I'm like, what the hell was that? I, I'm like thinking, no, because I thought I saw something in the corner of my eye. I was like, no, 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 anything. So I'm sitting there. My wife was sitting there too. And uh, next thing you know, um, <laughs> I see from the uh, I see from the from the dining. Now we have French doors that separate our dining room and our living room. So I look over and I see this this thing swoop in from the dining room, and I was like, "What the hell is that?" I said, "Is that a bird? Like, how the hell did the bird get in here?" And then finally, I see where it went up, and it went up near one of the curtains. And my wife was, what the hell is that? And I go up near and I say, oh, my God, that's a bat. Well, my wife freaks out and she starts freaking out. What she does is she goes and she first thing she does is she grabs the cat. She of all things, <laughs> she the kids are in bed. So she grabs the cat and she runs upstairs and she closes the door. And I, this is when we had one cat at the time. She closed and she closed the door, and I was like, "Okay." And then I was like, "She's like, you got to find a way to get you. it out. You got to find a way to get it out." And I was like, "I don't even know how the hell I get in here. What the hell am I going to do with a bit of bat pack in here?" So, if, if you don't know this, and I didn't know this at the time until after the incident, um, bats don't fly in a straight line. No, they don't. They don't. They don't fly in a straight. They fly in like a U pattern. They fly down and then they fly up. So I'm sitting there. And, and I open up the front door to my house and I'm trying to get this bat out of here. I'm like trying to wave it out somehow. I've closed my French doors. Okay. And I'm trying to make sure it doesn't go back upstairs in the hallway area and stuff. I'm thinking, how, how am I going to get this thing out? So, so finally I'm like, okay, you know what? I, let me grab this little, I had this little, actually I had a, please tell me you put on your goalie equipment. No, I got this, 
this guy right here. So okay, this stick. is a little go- mini goalie stick. So I think okay, let, let me let me try to like you know I didn't have a fly swatter. Let me try to like push this thing outside. So the, yeah, I'm literally doing like this. By the way, before you continue, fun mm-hmm. fact: because yeah. I had to be, I like I originally like my someone was telling me, oh, just kill it. Illegal to kill a bat in Pennsylvania. So I don't know what it's like in New Jersey. I'm sure it's very similar. Apparently, it's illegal. So mm-hmm. thank God I didn't kill that thing. Well, I should probably stop this story. So uh, anyway, <laughs> anywho. Um, luckily, I, luckily I don't live point. in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Um, so uh, now I just basically ruined the story for you. But anyway, <laughs> it was a well-timed, well-placed joke. So anyway, so anyway, what happened was it flew over and it got above and above my fireplace where our TV is at. So I stand up and I walk towards the TV area, and this thing comes straight down and it starts flying right at my head. And listen. I'm a goalie. I just react, man. When something comes <laughs> at me in my head, yeah. I just react. There was no intention. I promise if anybody from the SPCA is listening, it was not intentional. I literally just took this stick here and I was like, oh shit. And I just kind of swung and it just went and it plopped on the ground. So oh, I was like, oh, my God. And I was like, I'm looking down at it. And, you know, I you know, did the whole like when you're like when you're immature and you like poke it to see if it's alive or anything. And so I poke it and it's not moving. Like, OK, maybe maybe I stunned it. And so finally, I just take it literally and just I wrist it right out the door. Like, <laughs> no joke. I just flicked it right out yeah. the door. Wrist shot, wrist shot style. So anyway, I do that. Call my wife downstairs. And I was like, okay, I think we're good, hon. And she goes, she goes, I, what happened? I'm like, it, it was coming at me. I just swung. I think I, I just felt clunk and that was it. And she's like, how do you know? How do you know? It, how do you know it didn't fly back in or anything? I said, well, let me show you. So I opened up the front door and there it is laying on the step. So and she's like, okay. I said, well, look, I, I, hopefully I just stunned the damn thing. And hopefully it'll wake up uh, and, and then be tomorrow and be gone tomorrow. So uh, we woke up the next day and. Go out there and I look on the front porch and uh, the son of a bitch is laying there, you know, like just. Oh boy! So yeah, I, I hit it pretty damn good. And the bad thing about it was, <laughs> got yelled at for like two days in a row. She's like, "When are you gonna take the damn thing off the, the porch?" I'm like, "I ain't touching that thing." Like, like uh, some animal will come eat it or something like that. So finally, I had to do the old, you know, the old, um, you know, I would say the. Uh, the, the farmer's burial where you grab a shovel and then throw it somewhere in the yard and, you know, an animal comes and picks it up later on. So, um, yeah, I've had a bat come in my house. Don't know where it came from. Don't know how it got in. Uh, I killed it. Yeah, I don't know how uh, this yeah. thing got into my house. I have no idea. Yeah. But apparently they can fit through really small holes. Um, I don't know if it got through a vent or something along those lines. But I'll just never forget, like, what the hell was that? And down your bill, it was coming right in my head. I, like, I, I literally would have been like you. Like, I would I would have screamed probably if I saw it. I'm like, ah, and just, I just, yeah, boom. I just, cl- I just felt the clunk and wrist it right out the door. I didn't know what else to do. <laughs> I mean, I'll tell you, and I had one time, t- <laughs> the first time, that wasn't the first time I ever had a bat in this house since I lived here. I swear to God. Remember those really? CFL, the CFL bulbs they used to have, the, the twisty ones that look like they're mm-hmm. the spiral, the spiral bulbs. <laughs> I had just moved back here from Philly. And I had been living here probably about six months. And uh, I had a $10 lamp from Walmart, one of those ones with a little reader on the side and uh, the, the, the tall lamp at the top. 
And I rather forget this too. And um, I had it for like the longest time. And I turn it on one night and the light is like flickering. And I'm like, what the hell is that? I'm like, why is it flickering? Like, this, you know, like you never, I never seen a CFL bulb go out before. I'm like flickering, flickering. So uh, I go and I'm, I'm looking at it and I, I see a flicker and I saw like something flap out of it. I'm like, what the frig is that? I look in, hear a bat had gotten stuck inside the CFL bulb. So I ain't touching that thing. Hell no. I mean, I am afraid of animals like that, but like I'm testing rabies or whatever friggin' diseases that listen, bats carry Marburg, Ebola, all that shit. I ain't touching a bat. All right. Rabies. Uh, yeah, exactly. I literally took a, a, a whole trash bag, unplugged the lamp, put the trash bag over the lamp, threw the whole lamp out. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I swear to God, dude. Good stuff. Uh huh. So yeah, That's I've had so I've good. had bad incidents. So I've killed one and I uh, threw another in the trash. So um yeah. yeah Luckily I, I got no this one out. It was a lot of the the mother-in-law came over to help at 12:30 at night. Oh. It was chaos. It was chaos here. But we finally got it out. It like hid in our At first we were like, is it possible it was in the Christmas tree cuz we get a real tree? Is it possible is it real in the Christmas tree the whole time? But it's like there's no way because I had to Take that thing off the car, mm-hmm. lug it into the house, stand it up. Like there was no way it would have flown. Right. Away. It would have flown away by then. Uh, it, it was just, it was just pure chaos. As far as we know, it's still alive. Uh, have not seen it in the backyard, laying down. We got it out, and it was fine. Uh, did not bite the dog. Dog was going chaotic in the in the in the family room. Oh, bedroom. I, I, I believe it. I believe. Yeah, it. as you know, you pro- you might have even heard him on this ep- earlier in this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was barking. So always fun. Uh, home ownership. That'll be our final segments in the off season too. Uh, how we go through the chaos of owning homes. Uh, thank you so much for listening. This has been episode 165 of Orange and Backcheck. What do you think? Is this here to stay? Is the success that we're seeing in the month of December going to be on a consistent basis for the rest of the season? We're almost halfway through. If you can believe it. We're cr- it's crazy how fast this season goes. Uh, but hey, if you're like me and you took the over on 75 and a half points, you're feeling good on DraftKings Sportsbook. Make sure you sign up, promo code THPN. Make sure you follow us anywhere and everywhere on social media, Orange and Backcheck Podcast, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, all that fun stuff. And until next time, have a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. I think we're doing an episode before the new year. We'll, we'll If you see it in your feed, great. Uh, if not, we'll see you in the new year. Have a great one, folks, and we'll see you next time.